Welcome to another edition of Len's Burning Bush. I am Len Harvey. Before I bring on my guest, I want to talk about what's really burning my bush. Now, this has been going on for a while, so it's it's kind of been seething in, in my uh, self, I guess. Uh, but social media has become a place to voice opinions, but it has become extremely, extremely judgmental. And, and these days, there's a lot of bullying going on. There's the act of the statement that you make. If you don't agree with somebody, well, please unfriend me now. You know, not too hard to unfriend a lot of these people anyway, but it's just, I don't understand. And it reminded me of something that I had watched, uh, and I was a big Seinfeld fan, so I watched this. About 20 years ago, there was a particular episode of Seinfeld that, that really hits home, and I think it really resonates with what is going on right now. So I'm going to kind of go over this a little bit. It was the Kiss Hello episode of Seinfeld. In this episode, if you haven't seen it, you should. But if you haven't seen it, Kramer plans to put each of the tenants' pictures up and their name up in the building lobby. Now, this is a way for everybody. This is before social media. This is a way for everybody to kind of get to know each other, right? They know their names. They can now, maybe they go out for coffee. They do some things. And, of course, Jerry, he's got enough friends. He doesn't really want to participate in this, but he he really doesn't like the idea. So Kramer takes a surprise photo of Jerry for the wall and everybody's coming up to Jerry and hello Jerry and they give the kiss hello and it's he feels obligated to engage everyone in the building but if you really look at the episode you can see deep down that Jerry does not want to participate at all and he's very uncomfortable in the whole process so somebody should have come to him and said look Jerry you are having an issue with this we realize it but I think that uh, maybe we you can do something else maybe a fist bump or something but nobody did that right so it took it took for Jerry uh, to finally come out himself right you can see this he finally tells somebody he's uncomfortable with the being kissed right now as a result of this he becomes ostracized and even the superintendent won't even take care of his shower. He refuses to fix it. But what's interesting is the words he uses. He uses the words of, after I take care of the people who are civil to each other, Seinfeld, then maybe I'll get to yours, right? But I found that interesting because really what they're doing is taking their ball and going home. They're, they're, they're just basically ostracizing Jerry, but everybody else is okay. It's kind of a very hypocritical thing to do, isn't it? And really the word hypocrite means a person who acts in contradiction to his or her stated beliefs or feelings. So saying one thing, doing another, right? It just seemed, it seems really bad. And a lot of people are doing that now. I want everybody to just take a step back for a second and just look at what you're posting. And if somebody doesn't agree with you, that's fine. You can have a conversation. It can be a two-way street. But basically, remember what you're doing is you're ostracizing Jerry for not wanting to kiss you hello. Maybe we need to go back to a COVID-friendly kiss hello. Remember why you were even friends in the first place. With that being said, it's time to bring on my guest for the week. She is a science fiction author whose latest book is called Blast Away. Let's welcome Melissa Landers. And Melissa, please blast me away somewhere so we can get away from this stuff because it's really starting to tick me off. <laughs> I wish I could. I love to travel, and that's been the hardest part of COVID, just being trapped. But... Um, it, you picked a really, really relevant topic for me because social media is actually part of my job. Yeah. And it has been since the beginning. And it is such a blessing and a curse. Um, 
I remember when I finally uh, joined Facebook, you know, how fun it was to reconnect with friends and family members who, you know, I never, ever would have seen. And it was fun for about a hot minute. Um, Well, probably until about 2016, when it all hit the fan. Um, And feelings were so raw after 2016. And I can completely relate because mine were raw. And I saw a very dynamic shift, uh, especially on Twitter. I don't know if you're on Twitter. Yes. I, I have to be. I, I, I'm all over. Oh, yeah, that's right. You are. Yeah, I'm all over the place. Um, and there became a sort, of, uh, a sort of shift in where it wasn't enough to just be an innocent bystander. Your silence made you complicit. And that's a problem when you are marketing to people. Uh, because I have to market to all demographics. I do not want to alienate any segment of my my readership. And that's an impossible thing to do if you're going to get involved in any kind of, of discussion on, on politics, on the state of the world at large. So I think the key is you have to um, you have to decide what your purpose is on social media. My personal Facebook page, I'll say whatever I want to say there because I do not friend uh, editors, readers. That is just for the people I know personally. But on Twitter, on Instagram, um, I mean, I'm never on Tumblr anymore, but on any of my, uh, oh, my author Facebook page, that is books. It's all books. Um, it's, it might be something a little personal, like maybe me on a trip or, uh, you know, a cute, puppy retweet but I don't get personal on my professional pages that's what I've learned that uh, you really if if you don't want to alienate your readers don't alienate your readers it's that simple yeah but you know you brought up an interesting point and this is what kind of what I'm getting to you brought up the complicit stuff like if you if you're mm-hmm. silent and you're complicit what is it what is it their business my, my point is is this this any opinions right a lot of people have opinions you know i used to like to say uh, uh, you know god must have loved a-holes because he sure made enough of them and that's kind <laughs> of you know uh with opinions come all of that with that but my my thing is you can't on one um thing you know go against something and then totally do the opposite with your friends or you know the whole jerry thing bringing that back is he didn't want to get do the kiss hello so is he a bad person because he doesn't want to do the kiss hello? Maybe he just feels weird. People don't. I always tell my kids that, you know, no one likes to be touched, right? Get away from me, right? I, mm-hmm. I think that's kind of the way, the same thing. Why is it such a big deal? But even back then, people do the same thing. They'll, they'll ostracize a person because they have a different belief than themselves. But yet they're supposed to. They claim to be, you know, a religious person, let's say. But a religious person wouldn't ostracize anybody. You're supposed to be good to each other right that's the idea here is we need to go back to why was it that we were friends with this person in the first place family members are getting into fights on Mm -hmm. facebook and twitter and whatever it's become really um awful and i i I like to make light of it because it's 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 kind of stupid that you get into arguments but i find it very hypocritical that one side will denounce something, the other side denounces the other thing, and they get to a point where they have no middle ground, and it, it is just time to just take a break and really look at what you're doing because 
you're being that person that's ostracizing Jerry. Well, what I see is a lot of rationalizing. Um, no matter what side you're on, you have your beliefs. And if you're passionate about your beliefs, then you will naturally take it a step farther and say, uh, you know, am I going to be part of the problem or part of the solution? If I want to be part of the solution, these are the things I have to do. Um, and that's, you asked, you know, why do people ostracize mm. others? It's, it's a rationalization. They feel like if they don't do something, then they're part of the problem. And it's funny, when you brought up Seinfeld, I thought for sure you were going to bring up that, um, was it the Red Ribbon episode? Oh, yeah. You, who, were, wants to, who wants to wear the ribbon? Who wants to wear the yeah, ribbon? And, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and the Kramer, AIDS ribbon. Yeah. yeah, Kramer was there to do the walk. He was there to do the fundraiser. He was there to support the cause. He just didn't want to wear the Red yeah, Ribbon. it's the bullying. And, and they were like, what? You don't want a ribbon? He's like, yeah, I don't want to wear a ribbon. And they made it a thing and yeah. ended up chasing him down. You're going to wear the ribbon. Exactly. That's <laughs> Again, that's the hypocritical thing. You're, you're doing, you know, why do you have to wear the ribbon? Why do you have to? The Facebook is the ribbon. Twitter's the ribbon. It's all the, the ribbon. Who wants to wear the ribbon? And no one wants to wear the ribbon. And that's Well, like I said, okay. it's, yeah. it's a difference in perspective to Kramer. I'm here. I'm supporting the cause. I'm raising money. That's enough to to everyone else it's not enough you have to show that you're in support you have to wear this symbol it it, it it's funny it raised some really interesting points but that's where i yeah. thought you were going with no that. i well i apologize i didn't go that way but you know <laughs> i just thought of the kiss hello as, as kind of this but the ribbon is kind of the same thing as what i'm trying to say mm -hmm. is that what i don't get is that people just can't be happy with whatever somebody's doing and mind your own business, right? That does not, you know, bottom line is a lot of this stuff doesn't affect you personally. Just get over it, move on. I talked about in one of my episodes about the word fanatic. Um, it's now become a thing, not only in sports, but it's become a political thing where people can't just go halfway. They've got to go all the way extreme. And the extremists are what's killing everything because you have extremists on both sides and nobody's in the middle anymore. And that's where well, we need to get I wouldn't to. Say, I wouldn't say no one. I see a lot of people. Um, well, I, I, I'm pretty far left-leaning. I'll tell yeah. you that. And uh, I grew up in a military family that was very religious. So it's not a stretch to, when I say that almost all of my family are very right-leaning. And we don't fight over that. We, we acknowledge that we have different beliefs and we don't talk politics when we get together and it's that simple. There are a lot of people like that. And I don't have any trouble just scrolling past anybody's whose beliefs differ from mine. The only people I hide just because they raise my blood pressure and I can't take it <laughs> are these kind of people who are convinced there's a global conspiracy to like bake children into pizzas and oh my <laughs> lord, I can't even... I've learned you cannot reason with these people. They do want to be reasoned with. Whatever part of their brain used to be capable of rational thought is now pudding. And so I just hide or unfriend those because, like I said, that's bad for my just my rage. Right. Um, but, yeah, no, I think there's a lot of people that can still meet in the middle. It just doesn't seem that way. And I say this to my dad a lot. He'll take out his phone and he'll spend 30 seconds on Facebook and he'll say the world's going to hell. And I'll say, no, dad, it's not. You just need to stop going on Facebook because <laughs> all of the negativity is amplified. If you just put your phone away and you look around, the world is still the same good place it ever was. And I told him, let me tell you what I see. I see someone who held the door open for me when I came in the restaurant. 
I yeah. see strangers letting me out in front of them in traffic. I see people smiling and greeting each other. I see 99% of human beings trying to be good, gracious, compassionate people. But unfortunately, social media amplifies that 1% of assholery and makes it feel like everyone's a jerk, that no one can get along. And it's really not that way. Um, again, circling back to social media, being a blessing and a curse, this is one of the in my opinion, the biggest downsides is that um, the bad is amplified to the point where it can be all you see, depending on the kind of feed that you've curated. Well, that is that is terrific. And I like the fact, you know, that you can get along with family members that don't agree with you, because that's the way it should be. We should just mm -hmm. have conversation. The whole idea is like, you know, I see so many people will unfriend me and they start unfriending people. And it's like, you were friends before. Why, you know, 30-year friendship shouldn't end over a conversation on Facebook, right? And that's kind of, you know, what I've always thought. Uh, but it's just, I don't think we're ever going to really fix it. Uh, I would hope that we could. But, uh, you know, the kiss hello, maybe we need to figure out something that's a little bit better than that. But speaking of... A fist bump. Yeah, a fist bump. We can do the <laughs> fist bump now because of COVID. Now, speaking of, of COVID and kind of in a good news... Um, a Georgia woman is heading into the new year having beaten incredible odds, and apparently death is one of them. Uh, Lisa Martin, uh, 49 years old, had been admitted to a um, Memorial Satilla Health Emergency Room in Waycross, Georgia, back in September for COVID. But according to a Thursday Facebook post in the hospital, her amazing journey includes 59 days on a ventilator, 40 days. She was comatose, but now she is doing okay. So that's that's the kind of good news, right? She's almost yeah. dying and then comes back. And that's the stuff we should be focusing on, the good. I, I did an episode, uh, the good the kind of the uh, good news network or positive news network, PNN is what I <laughs> called it. And, and we need more positive news like that because there's so much negativity, like you mentioned, if we could just focus on some of the, the positive things. Because even in the news media, they'll focus on, well, a 1,000 people have COVID. Well, okay, well, what about the people that have recovered, right? Is it 990 mm -hmm. that are good? Or, you know, what's the numbers, the true, the true numbers? But nobody ever really wants to uh, kind of do that. So I think, you know, that's why I focus on some of the good stories. Um, and and it, it makes me feel better anyway. I don't know about anybody else, but it makes me feel better. Yeah, no, e even in our own home, um, we tried to start a tradition where at the dinner, dinner table, everybody goes around the table and they will mention three things that they're thankful for and one good thing that happened to them that day. Just because I had seen an overall trend in negativity in our family, um, complaining, whining, victimhood mentality, and uh, and I don't know, nobody likes to be around people like that and I don't want to raise children like that, so I'm trying to... You know, I've, I've been doing a lot of research on the brain and why we tend toward negativity. And it's all about neural pathways. Your thoughts form little trenches in your brain. So if you want to change your thought processes, the ratio is three to one. You identify one negative thought and then you immediately counter it with three positive thoughts, three things you're thankful for. And that's the only way to change those habitual thought processes. And uh, again, circling back to social media, if you want to feel better about the world, you know, I'm not saying unfriend people that you care about, but if you have that old friend and all they post is inflammatory content that that raises your blood pressure, hide them. Yeah. You don't need to see them in your feed in order to be friends with them. 
um, you have to curate a feed that that makes you feel okay. I'm not saying you should only follow people who reflect your beliefs, but there's nothing wrong with cutting ties with toxic people. In fact, it's healthy to cut ties with toxic people. Uh, it's, I don't know. Um, well, you know, you be bring, mindful. Yeah, exactly. And you bring up, you know, good points and, and maybe, you know, people should read more and that would be good for you Yes. as we can get into that. <laughs> Why don't you talk a little bit about uh, your most recent book and talk about how we can get your book? Well, my most recent book, I can't talk about yet. I'm writing it now, but the deal hasn't been announced. So it's still hush hush. But um, I write science fiction for Disney Hyperion, and primarily my target audience is teens and young adults. Blast Away was my very, very first middle grade title uh, for kids ages about 9 to 12. And it's funny because my boys, you know, they said to me years ago, all your books are for teens. You said we're not allowed to read them. Write a book that we can read. So I did. And guess how many of my three boys in this household have read Blastoy. Wow. One. One, because <laughs> I guilted him into it. So anyway, I'm not writing any more books for them. Uh, all of my other titles, like I said, are for young adults. Now, for anyone listening um, who is above the age of 12, I recommend Starflight, actually, okay. because uh, that's my most award-nominated title. It's definitely my most recognized title. And if, you know, if you're pressed for time and you only have time to read one book and you don't want to read a whole series, Starflight stands alone very nicely. There's a companion novel that goes with it, but it stands alone. And um, if you've ever seen Firefly, okay. the yeah. tragically short run but brilliant Joss Whedon uh, sci-fi epic adventure, it's kind of like a Firefly meets Guardians of the Galaxy. Uh, it's... Um, space adventure it's found family it's um enemies to lovers it's second chances um i don't know it's a whole lot of fun but it's about uh, a young girl an orphan who leaves earth to take a job on a distant planet and she can't afford passage because space travel is very expensive so she's forced to indenture herself to her high school nemesis um, and during the process, they wind up on a renegade spaceship and, and, you know, shenanigans, shenanigans ensue. Oh. That's my, that's shenanigans, my thing. I like that. <laughs> that is my thing. I do space shenanigans. Yes. Well, what got you involved in this? So you weren't always, uh, doing science fiction, right? You weren't always, uh, writing. So what did, what, what got you involved? Well, um, I've always been a writer. It was always, uh, you know, that, Thing I was good at growing up, but I never intended to be an author. You know, to me, being an author was like being an astronaut. You knew that authors existed, but you had never met one. You didn't think that that was something you could do, you know? Uh, so I got an English degree and I taught school for about 10 years. And then I, um, I resigned when I had my second child and stayed home for, you know, a couple babies. And staying home was a gift that I did not take for granted, but it was not very intellectually stimulating, let's say that. And I had a deep need for, for some kind of creative and cognitive outlet. I was reading books, probably like six books a week, flying through them, but it wasn't enough. I needed more. So I joined up with this uh, group of people online, and we all decided to do something called NaNoWriMo, which is November's uh, National Novel Writing Month. 
And so um, the challenge is to write 50,000 words in 30 days. And I did. And that book was Alienated, which was my first public pu- published book with Disney Hyperion. And so it kind of came about by accident. Uh, I needed I needed something to do, you know, to keep my mind occupied while I was home with the babies. And I'm very, very fortunate. Most of my author friends, they wrote 10 books before one got published. And to get the first one published is kind of unheard of and very, very, um, very lucky for me. So Alienated um, turned into Invaded and United and then Starflight and then Starfall and then Blastaway. And then also in the mix, I wrote five uh, adult contemporary romances under the pen name Macy Beckett. And uh, so, yeah, I've, what am I on? Like, Get back to me. This is the stuff you're hiding from me. What is this Macy <laughs> Beckett? This is what we should be talking about. <laughs> you're hiding yes. this from me. How do, we, how do I get Macy Beckett and where do I get this stuff? So, I, Well, all of my Macy Beckett novels were originally published by Sourcebooks and Penguin Random House, but they are out of print now and all of those rights reverted to me. So I publish them online on Kindle. So you can only get them on Kindle now unless you unless you happen to find right. one out in the wild at some secondhand store. But yeah, those are all extremely spicy. Very, 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 very spicy. That's why I had to use a pen name. Yeah, I didn't I want bet. any twelve year old, you know, yeah. accidentally wandering and getting more than they bargained for. Well, I like the spicy stuff. So there you go. So that's what it is. I always like to make a joke that, you know, um, I'm going to, you know, I just finished my first book and then next year I'm going to read another one. You know, that's the way. way So as far as reading, it's it's just never been one thing that I do. I mean, I always it's like the scene from back to school, you know, two hours in the movie in and out, you know, uh, rather than (laughs) than experience the actual author's uh, work. So I'm not your best customer. I was not much of a reader, although I did read as a kid. I remember reading the Hardy Boys and, and those type of oh, things yes. as a kid, but not a big, you know, big fan. I remember uh, I would try to find any way to, you know, do this or any way to uh, not cheat, but like even in school, like the Cliff Notes or whatever, it, w- it would help me because I, I just couldn't get through a lot of these books. I feel you. And, you know, that's one of the things I've had to make peace with, that not everyone is a reader. Um, you know, here I am, a published author, internationally published. It's like a huge accomplishment. To write a book is hard. To get it published is harder. To stay published is the hardest of all. And I live in a home with people who don't like to read. (laughs) And sometimes it bothers me, you know, when when they'll say, well, well, don't you want to look at this thing I did in school, mom? And I'm like, don't you want to read any of the novels I've written, son? <laughs> you know, so I try not to, you know, throw it in their faces too much. And I try to make peace with the fact that I live with non-readers and and it is what it is. And the fact that they've not read my books is not, you know, a personal snub in well, my direction. It is what it is. I think we need to take a couple of your novels and put it on Netflix and then we can we, people will watch it, and then there you go. So you can, you we, know what? we've come up with it. <laughs> that, I that. do have a film rights agent. Well, I have a literary agent. My literary agent sells my books to publishers, and I have a film rights agent who has been trying for years. You know, Alienated came close. Oh, my gosh, this just about killed my soul inside. Alienated came close. She was so excited. She had producers lined up. She just knew she was going to sell this book, and it was going to be a smash hit. 
And then the CW dropped their trailer for Starcrossed, which oh. had a plot that was eerily similar to mine, and that was the end of that. Uh, but it happens, man. It it just oh, it sucks. Getting um, Hollywood is full of uh, oh gosh, how to say this in a way that doesn't like alienate anyone. <laughs> you know, you want to be um, careful. <laughs> it's let's just say they run hot and cold, right? Yes. Um, I, I went out to LA once for a book signing and, and this, this like uh, person in television, I think she worked for ABC family. She was blowing up my, my DMS. You're coming to uh, LA. We have to meet. We have to meet. I have to talk to you about this book. I have to talk to you like so excited. And then I got out there and she just ghosted me. I'm like, lady, I didn't reach out to you. You reached out to me. What the heck? But this is, you know, it is very flakish. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I'm glad that I don't have to deal with any of that, that I have a person who handles all of that for me. And if it comes together, it comes together. It'll be a happy surprise, but it's not something I'm banking on. Well, you know, I'm, I'm impressed with it all. Uh, and you have your uh, website, Melissa Landers. Why don't you uh, announce that so we can get that? I'll, I'll try to post it on the page as well, which I did previously for you coming on. So. We'll keep posting about your uh, it is, webpage. It's melissa-landers.com. M-E-L-I-S-S-A hyphen dash whatever. L-A-N-D-E-R-S.com. Or you can just Google Melissa Landers. I'll come up. It's In a good way. Yeah. <laughs> well, let's hope. I don't wanna, yeah, exactly. We don't <laughs> want to Google. But, you know, you uh, be lucky. Uh, you talked about Hollywood. And be, be lucky that you're not in the, the dating scene because – Apparently, Drew Barrymore's had some issues. I don't know if you saw this, but uh, she's 45 and she struggles with these dating apps. And she said she booked uh, a date with one guy, finally, and apparently he stood her up. Oh. Would you ever stand up Drew Barrymore? I mean, she's adorable, right? I mean, well, she's so adorable. Plus, who would stand up anybody? You know, it's not hard to tell someone no. It's really not. You know, I did the whole dating app thing, and it's really not hard to say, sorry, I'm not going to be able to make it, yeah. or can we reschedule, or just say, sorry, I don't feel enough of a connection to meet up. It's not hard just to be honest with people. Yeah. She, so, yeah, no, I'm sorry. I've got no respect for, for flakes. No, and, and, you know, she was on with Nikki Glasser, who's a comedian, and Barrymore said, you know, couldn't he have been a jerk like an hour before? Like, I wouldn't even have tried to, <laughs> to meet with a guy. But then, you know, the, the, the whole ghost, I don't understand. You, you talked about the ghosting thing. And that's uh -huh. something that I haven't figured out either. If you have something, no one likes to give bad news to anybody. But at the same time, they make it worse by doing the ghosting or whatever. Because you, you, you have people that will still think about it going, what did I do wrong? Right? It's always, yeah. you know, it's like, it's not you, it's me. Right? That's the thing, the Seinfeld reference again. But. I think that the ghosting, that's part of it, right? People do the ghosting. Yeah, I, I think that people who, who ghost do so because they don't have the right words. Not everybody has, like, you have to have a line. You really do. Like, so sorry, just not feeling the connection. Best of luck to you. You have to have a line that right. you feel comfortable with, and you have to have the courage to use it. 
Um, is that like the, the standard rejection letter from a job? Is that what you're trying to go yeah, with? Exactly. Yeah, sorry, <laughs> sorry, you, we've moved in another direction. Uh, we, you know, you, we, we hope you well in your next endeavor is usually when you get fired, right? That's usually yeah. the line. There. So, okay, I got it. There's no easy way to say I'm just not into you. There's <laughs> no, no easy way to say it. I guess not. I don't know. I mean, I, I've been out of the dating pool for a long time, so I don't even know what it is, and I wouldn't even want to get into it. But it's just there's uh, so many new things. I mean, the the swiping and the you know swipe mm-hmm. left, swipe right. I, I don't even you know. And then uh, of course you've got uh, there was a, a commercial for the devil uh, for 2020. Oh. Have you seen that? <laughs> I saw I thought, that. I thought that would be swiping. <laughs> down right isn't that kind of the way if you choose the devil yes. swiping down um well he he matched with 2020 yeah, the year 2020. yeah 2020 <laughs> and they and they and apparently uh, could be matching with uh, 2021 we'll see how we'll see yeah. how that goes hopefully it's a little bit better it was not better though we just lost uh tommy lasorda passed away and i wanted to mention oh, it I heard that. um 93 years old and tommy was just a treasure um, in baseball for a very, very long time. He has the distinction of actually uh, Sandy Koufax wound up being on the Dodger pitching staff because Tommy Lasorda wasn't very good. I think that's what it came down to. <laughs> he wasn't very good, so they, they pulled him off, and uh, he later went into managing, and, of course, Sandy Koufax went into the Hall of Fame. But, you know, Tommy Lasorda passed away at uh, the age of 93 yesterday. He was hospitalized back in November dealing uh, what was reported as a serious condition and they didn't uh, they haven't disclosed anything but you know 93 god bless uh, Tommy Lasorda he was in the 70s I don't know a lot of people don't remember but the Yankees and the Dodgers series and later on with Fernando Valenzuela a lot of good stuff and uh, we will uh, miss Tommy Lasorda yeah terrible stuff so anyway um, I think that uh, I enjoyed having you on today. I think it's it's fun to get somebody a little more intellectual than myself because I am not as uh, I'm. <laughs> I wish I read more. I'm not as well read. Uh, it's it's nice to have a, a good conversation, kind of in the way of hey, stop being a hypocrite. Let's let's kind of work these out together and stop being so negative. Right, get rid of the negative negative thoughts. Yeah. So let's let's be a little. Let's be a little positive, right? Let's try to figure it out. Let's try to uh, do a little bit better. They always say, people say, be better. Well, you, you could start by looking at your social media posts and maybe take a step back and think about it, right? It's like the old, well, you know, when you're dialing a girl at 2 a.m. when you had a few to drink. Step away from the <laughs> typewriter uh, for a few minutes and take a breath. Well, what I always advise, put your phone down. Yeah. Put down your phone and look around at the real world around you. And pay attention to what you see around you because that's what's real. Yeah, absolutely. And of course, uh, as as we're talking bad about social media, I have to talk good about it because you can like Lens Burning Bush on Facebook at Lens Burning Bush. <laughs> uh, make sure you like it on Facebook, and you can follow me on Twitter because I'm not going to put up anything controversial at Lens Burning Bush. You can listen to Lens Burning Bush on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, Podbean, iHeartRadio, TuneIn. You can even ask Alexa to play Lens Burning Bush on Amazon Music. And now in Stitcher, we do, it's about 29 states we've got, uh, the District of Columbia plus downloads in the UK, Ireland, Germany, Switzerland, Norway, France, Mexico, Japan, Canada. I did see one in Peru in the United Arab Emirates this week. So it's, it's apparently I've gone somewhat global. Um, but we'll see how that goes. We'll see how that, that continue it. But uh, thank you, Melissa Landers. It's been a lot of fun. Uh, doing this today hope you enjoyed it and uh, I will uh, post this up and you'll uh, hopefully get a, a bunch of people buying your books a lot of parents 
for their kids. Thanks, Len. It was great talking to you. Absolutely. Well, thanks again to Melissa Landers. I'm Len Harvey. We'll be back with another episode of Len's Burning Bush next week. So long.